Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode, a mini-sode of Civil Discord, your weekly, sometimes twice weekly, it's a mini-sode, dose of radical curiosity. I am one solid half of this podcast, Amanda. Maurice is celebrating the Super Bowl, uh, the sports ball tonight. And I wanted to take a quick moment to discuss uh, a development that uh, is related to shirt I am wearing, although this is always true. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is really why you should be subscribed to our YouTube channel, because then you would see that I am sporting a brilliant t-shirt that says, my governor is a moron. And the folks at Liberty Maniacs uh, supplied that. That was a free plug. I should get free shirts for that at some point, but like that. But anyhow, my governor is indeed a moron. Um, this is a breaking-ish item. It's from yesterday. Um, again, what do we do when we have news that we really don't want people to be angry with us about? We break it over the weekend. That's a PR lesson. And it's certainly true, as Gavin with the good hair has extended his state of emergency order indefinitely. Now, to be fair, he has extended his emergency. He's set some guardrails here. Um, his office has said that the emergency declaration will end once conditions no longer warrant an emergency response. So that clears it up. All we have to do is wait for conditions to no longer warrant an emergency response. Very clear metrics. Um, Eric Ting reporting for the, for sfgate.com says when we sent over a serious I think he says serious list means serious list. We sent over a serious list of questions asking for more specificity. We were referred back to the original statement, which says again, it will end once conditions no longer warrant an emergency response. So the first thing that I think some people are thinking is, well, wait, what's the big deal? I thought California was getting back to normal. Um, while technically there is a statewide mask mandate that has been uh, rescinded for now, um, the blue cities uh, where most of California's population is located, in the blue cities, those mandates are continuing. Um, many, not all of these blue cities also have vaccine passport systems in place and the like. So when you're hearing about places even in California, opening back up. That's what PolitiFact would say is missing context. All right. Now, what is important about this emergency declaration from a policy standpoint is that it gives Gavin with good hair unlimited power to delegate unlimited power to unelected bureaucrats people who were never elected by people and really aren't necessarily experts. For instance, currently in LA, we're under the thumb of Barbara Ferrer, who is a public health officer, makes six figures. Uh, she doesn't have a PhD, or actually, I think she has an MPH. She's not a doctor. She is not a doctor. And she is the one who is responsible for extending these things indefinitely. Now, 
to be fair, I would have been shocked had Gavin with the good hair actually held to his original promise date. Well, not really the original date because the original date that all this was supposed to end was June of 2021. And then it was going to end in maybe September and then November. And then it was March. So whatever iteration of original we're on now, I would have been shocked if he had held to that. It's worth discussing, however, um, from the beginning, by which I mean the second week of March 2020, I wanted to write an article about what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, why it was going to happen, and how I knew it. And at several points over the past almost two years, almost exactly two years, I've tried to write that article. And I've never been able to because the how I knew it aspect is really hard to discuss. Um, everything that I thought would happen the second week of March 2020 happened uh, and nothing that I thought would happen did not happen. Now, the reason that I was able to call this isn't because I'm super brilliant. I mean, I am super brilliant, but that that's not the reason. The senseless school closures, the indefinite states of emergency, the mandatory masking, the mandatory vaccinations, the vaccine cards, records, the what particularly the timeline and the way it would be framed, how others would react, the rhetoric around it, the justifications used, I could have scripted it. And the reason for that is that I lived this. I've lived this over several episodes. Unfortunately, that's how these things tend to go. You have crap happen to you and you find yourself having the same crap happening to you. Um, I've lived it in my personal life. That you being backed into a corner, uh, that's that no way out feeling, a complete powerlessness, um, being at the mercy of people who can just do whatever they want and convince anyone who cares about you that it's okay. Coercion, the turning people against one another. I know how people think when they have authority over others and they see those others as being the problem. I know how people think when they believe that they have the answers and the people over whom they have nearly indefinite power don't have the answers. I know how people react to it. I know how I react to it. And when this would happen in my own life, the one thing that I could always do, and I love doing this, was I could look out at the world and I could point 
to the fact that it wasn't happening everywhere, and that there were places and people who had freedom and choice. And no matter what happened to me, I felt good knowing that. That it wasn't this all-encompassing, humanity-encompassing thing. And the worst thing about March 2020 was knowing I wouldn't be able to point to that world anymore for a long time, maybe ever. The best thing about the past few weeks is that I'm able to point to that world. Even visiting my parents over the the winter break in December, I could see that it wasn't happening everywhere. And so I can see other places in the world, most other places in the world. I mean, even the freaking UK, right? Most other places in the world, most states, and most institutions, albeit not academia, not schools, things are changing. People have choices again. There are faces again. Faces are great. Faces are amazing. And there are more faces. More faces is a good thing. And this time, I'm able to look at all this and I can make choices. I couldn't always. Now I can. I can decide to do things differently. I can leave. I have an exit plan. I'm working to change things in my life. I I have that agency. What is so hard for me is that kids don't. Kids don't have an escape route. They're being told that they're vectors of disease. They're being taught to simultaneously fear others and fear what they might do to others. Children here in Los Angeles, six-year-olds, six-year-olds, are forced to wear N95s for at minimum six hours a day, outdoors, outdoors, regardless of vaccination. Surgeons aren't supposed to wear N95s for six hours a day. Children are being forced to have recess in N95s after spending two years in ineffective masks and not experiencing statistically negative health outcomes. Doctors have been investigated if they've written mask exemptions for kids and been told not to do it. So I try not to speak for others. This kind of goes against what I'm about. It's kind of why I don't like these policies. But because kids are literally being muzzled, I will 
try to speak from awareness. And I want to make clear that this is not about, this is not a commentary on my upbringing. In fact, my point is that people can have completely wonderful parents and it's still this way. Children are not resilient. Children are adaptive. And between those two worlds of difference, there are indelible scars. Your child will not tell you that they're in pain. They won't tell you how much this hurts. They've already been told that they can make others sick. Why would they want to add to that burden by telling you something that they've been taught to believe means that they're selfish? Hurting means you're selfish. Saying I'm in pain means you don't care about other people. There's a stigma around any complaint having to do with these policies. There's a stigma around any mental health consequence having to do with these policies. Your child wants you to think that they're okay. Because when they feel good, you feel good. Most parents are that way. Most parents are happy when they see their children happy. And there's currency. There's currency in telling your parents that you're happy. Because especially when your parents are anxious all the time and angry at other people and depressed as many have been for the past two years. Telling your mom and dad that you're fine can brighten their day. And that's really meaningful, especially if usually you're walking around with the belief that you're a vector of disease. Usually you're walking around with the belief that you do bad things. But if you tell your parents that you're okay and you don't mind the masks, then that's a little bright spot. There's also the point that sometimes children don't like to say that they're in pain because then they can't pretend that they're not in pain, if that makes sense. It's protective for themselves. It's protective for you. It helps cohere a desired reality with an actuality in a way that's relatively consistent. Your children are not going to say how much pain they're in. Your children are not going to tell you how much they're suffering. Because they know that if they say it, it makes it real. And they know that if they tell you, nothing will change. I would ask parents, people who know kids, 
you work with kids, if you have siblings or family members who are young or even not, I don't know why I put that restriction on, but especially who are young because of all the circumstances I just listed. Sometimes it helps just to acknowledge that there might be pain and that it's okay. It's okay to hurt. But more importantly, I want to tell everyone, and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to say it anyway. What is happening to children is not okay. What's happening to children is wrong. I can't speak for children, but a lot of them are not okay. And it doesn't have to be this way. And it can change. And it can change by finding any option available to give them a life, to take them out of broken systems. I wish so badly that our school our school system was such that we funded students and not systems anywhere where that's possible. I want it to happen. It's not okay what we're doing to kids. It needs to stop. It needs to stop. And it will never be okay. Nothing that anyone does will ever change this. Nothing that anyone does will ever fix this. Nothing that anyone does will take away the damage. It will never be okay. I know we're usually a more cheerful podcast. So I will say once again that although there's been damage, it doesn't mean that great things can't still happen. It doesn't mean that we're hopeless. Again, look out at the world. The world has choices. I want everyone in the world to have choices. I want kids to know that they should and can always have choices. But that was kind of my appeal. If I could ask people to boycott the Super Bowl, I would, but I mean, it's kind of already happening, happened. So I'll just stick with annoyingly telling people to boycott the, the Beijing Olympics and probably failing at that too. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back later this week, probably, with another more cheerful, more upbeat, and with more Reese's Ramps, what's not to love. Another episode of civil discord. Until then, stay fierce.